You are now listening to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast with Dr. Taylor Crick. Dr. Taylor is an expert in helping those suffering with autoimmune disease, and he himself has autoimmune disease. Autoimmunity is rampant today. The purpose of this podcast is to educate about the underlying causes and natural solutions to halt autoimmune disease progression. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. For more information from Dr. Taylor, visit www.autoimmuneeducationacademy.com. Without further ado, here's your host, Dr. Taylor Crick. Welcome to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Taylor Crick, and I love explaining the mechanisms behind autoimmunity and chronic disease. Today's episode is just a kind of a wrap-up of some things that I've seen just this past month in May, um, and I think it's going to be kind of cool. So if you enjoy this episode, as always, leave us a rating, leave us a review, or if you hear something in this episode that you know makes you think of somebody or somebody that, that is suffering from a certain condition or it sounds similar to something, share, share this episode with them. Uh, rating, review, and sharing, those are the drums that I bang every single episode. So this is kind of a... Um, I don't know, I don't want to say an improv episode, but it's uh, I've been releasing episodes weekly, and this one's just getting thrown in there because, again, I feel like we just see really cool things, and I like you know just kind of telling some of these stories. So you have to understand a little bit about what I do because it's confusing. So first off, not all of these stories are autoimmune people, but they're all health journeys. And I'm a chiropractor, so I'm licensed in the state of Illinois, but I don't diagnose, I don't treat, I don't give any diagnosis, I don't give any treatment plans, but I join people on their health journeys and I give them recommendations um, and I help people interpret their labs and I give them navigation on diet, lifestyle, nutrition, supplement protocols, and I join them on their health journey. So I see people both in person and virtually. Um, and some of these stories are each, and I don't, I don't often say. Um, and these are just their stories, and they're intentionally you know, not the full story. They're just little sound bites. And most of these are really, really small bites of a really, really, really complex stories that I could spend you know, a long time talking about each of these stories individually, but they illustrate the types of things that I see often. And, and what I do with people too is you know, usually their, their new patient or uh, like their new uh, client appointment is 90 minutes. So I know their stories and they fill out a ton of paperwork and some people have years and years of labs. So that's what I mean when I say that these are often just little tiny sound bites of these very, very complex stories. I see people that have been, you know, to many, many other practitioners. I see people that have been to Mayo. Actually, that's not in my notes. I'm going to add this person into my notes because I just said that. And it's a really cool one too. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, um, and I just think the, that these little sound bites just help to illustrate the types of things that I see often, maybe let you know that you're not alone, maybe let you know that, you know, things are crazy out there. Um, but I always just think that it's super cool things happen around here. I love what I do. 
And it's interesting to explain, you know, just kind of the rationale and the thought process behind helping somebody, you know, put the pieces of their health puzzle together. And I have thousands of stories. And, you know, if you are, you know, patient or client of mine, uh, if you think this is your story, it, it might not be. Um, so a lot of them sound sound similar. Um, and I'm not telling any stories of anybody that I met, you know, recently through the podcast since the podcast is is so new. Um but yeah, so here's a couple. So uh, I had somebody come in with hypothyroidism and not knowing whether or not it was Hashimoto's or not. But that's very, very common. If somebody comes in with hypothyroidism, they've maybe started to read you know, some thyroid books or thyroid blogs, and they're, they still have symptoms. So she had you know, all the classic Hashi's symptoms. Um, and, and long story short, you know, we ran labs. She does have Hashi's, so we confirmed Hashi's. But she also has a, a thyroid conversion problem. So her uh, levothyroxine that she's on from her prescribing doctor, they check her TSH and her T4 regularly, and they are perfect. They're absolutely perfect. But her T3 was lab low, lab low at 70. So she's functionally hypothyroid. Lab low meaning it, it's low enough that the lab said it's low. I often look at just optimal ranges and I'll just say, tell people, hey, here's where you fall with, with relation to optimal and here's where the lab wants you to be and here's here's where I'd like to see it. Um, but yeah, so then she also had just classic autoimmune labs, uh, low vitamin D, um, high C-reactive protein, so inflammation. Um, and yeah, that's, that's not uncommon. Um, another uh, story, let's see. So had somebody with IBS, um, a, a, a man, a gentleman. Um, his wife has Hashi's and she referred him. I get a lot of wives that say, I think my husband has IBS. And this guy has diagnosed IBS. In fact, when he went for Crohn's and colitis testing, it was negative. I'm talking through a gastroenterologist, but I was just pointing out to them, said, hey, I'm not a gastroenterologist. I don't really run these labs, but the, the, the diagnostic range ends at 20 and yours was, you know, 18.7 or something. So I said, you're, you're right on the edge of whatever these markers are. But we ran some Cyrex testing. We ran food sensitivity testing. We ran leaky gut testing. And out of 180 foods, I didn't, I didn't count. I should have, but I see this often. I bet that he had 40 in the green, maybe less, maybe less than 40, meaning he was reactive to almost every single food on that test. So that's really complicated. And it means that he's lost oral tolerance. So he has IBS, he's lost oral tolerance. And typically, you know, I expect great, great changes with that. Um, he also has, you know, leaky gut. And we just kind of went through like, hey, this is everything that you have. This is what we're doing. And we set a plan in place. And again, I expect good changes with that. It's not the first time that I've, that I've seen that, certainly. Um, another guy um, who has mold, um, I see a lot of mold stuff, so it's kind of interesting. I have a ton of crazy, funny, or not funny, none of them are funny, but just crazy mold stories, fun, I guess. But a guy that had his uh, basement remediated and had it retested. So we look at tests uh, through my testing guy. I don't even remember all the details of the testing, but Above 350 uh, uh, spore count per meter cubed, we consider a high number. And this guy's basement, uh, at first, he had a couple different places at 7,000 and maybe 8,000 or 9,000, I think. Um, so very high levels 
of mold in his basement. Now, the rest of his house was pretty pretty good, but his basement was the problem. Had it remediated, had it retested, there were still some spores, so there was still some concern, but it was down to like in the, in the hundreds, in the, in the uh, low triple digits. Um, so just a, you know, huge, just change with the exposure and the burden, um, kind of depends on if that's enough or not, but you know, I, I'm pretty uh, happy with the change and just the overall exposure. Another, uh, kid, um, I think he's six with mold, um, with ADHD issues and, and just some, some dopamine issues, some uh, neurotransmitter issues. And the mom really, really, really wants to avoid medication. So she was open to running whatever labs we thought. And, and you know, so we ran, you know, a, a, a couple different labs. We ran an organic acids test and a mycotoxin test because I talked to them and, and he has a penicillin allergy and his sister has a penicillin allergy. And I asked them about if they ever had any, you know, possible exposure to mold, and they said, "Well, the house that we used to live in was a moldy house before we bought it, but we had it remediated." And that's a classic story that the remediation process, you know, was not thorough enough, um, and so we we suspected mold. And when we measured that, you know, we did find mycotoxins and some other issues, you know, with neurotransmitters and different things. So we see that pretty commonly too. Another person with mold, just while I'm on mold. Um, had, um, you know, some hormonal issues, you know, thyroid issues for sure and autoimmune issues for sure. And she'd started reading, you know, some books. She read uh, Dr. Karazian's book and I recommended it to her. And she said, you got to be kidding me. I just put that in my Amazon shopping cart today. This is this is destiny or something. Um, but um, anyway, different hormonal issues that I believe that mycotoxins are related to. Uh, another person that I, you know, really suspected mold on her history and her mycotoxin test came back negative and it kind of moved Lyme up the, the list and moved mold down the list for me. Another person that is the Mayo person that I mentioned, uh, I really suspected mold with this gentleman as well, but uh, was was not mycotoxins and had gone to Mayo for different neurological issues, different neuropathies. And the supplement protocol that I had recommended to him is working beautifully. So he's really tickled. Uh, we still don't know exactly what's going on, but he's like, hey, right now, I don't want to do any further testing. I don't want to switch it up. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He came in and or, or just called in, I guess, and, and re-upped on supplements recently. Um and yeah, so that's the last that I heard was things were going great. Um, and he'd had this mysterious neuropathy, had been to neurologists, had been to Mayo, had been to you know a plethora of different doctors, I think maybe Northwestern, uh, uh, you know, somewhere here in the Midwest. Um, and yeah, another person. So these are all crazy. You know, some of these are crazy. Some of these are, are you know, and, and again, they sound crazy when I'm talking about them real fast. But a lot of these are just very, very, very normal people. They came in with bloating or came in with fatigue or came in with anxiety or came in with nerve pain. And we're told, you know, whether they're in another state or whether they're locally here, we're told, hey, you know, this, this guy kind of helps people put together their health puzzles or kind of figure that out. I really like complex puzzles. I really like pretty simple puzzles too. But if I need to tell you like, hey, you need to eat better and get off your butt and exercise, I don't really like that. So these are 
are pretty complex puzzles. But again, a lot of these were just, you know, very, very normal people with maybe one or two symptoms. And then as we started talking, it was like, you know what, I actually, I do sleep bad. And I actually do get blood sugar drops. And I actually do get an afternoon slump. And I actually do get brain fog. And I actually do have a bowel movement every other day and, you know, different things like that. And then we go and look for them. And then again, just in the context of even this this episode and this podcast, I guess, not all of these people have autoimmunity. If we screened them all for every autoimmune process possible, a, a lot more of them would have it. But again, even going back to episode like, I don't know, five or six or something, or maybe it's sooner than that, but I think it is, which type of autoimmune patient are you, diagnosed or undiagnosed? A lot of these are undiagnosed autoimmune. Some have diagnosed autoimmune, but again, a lot of them don't. So another one that's along the lines of some of these crazy mold or no mold people, um, here's a lady that, again, I, I suspected it based on the the history, meaning it was in the differentials, not like, oh, yeah, I think you have mold, but just it was in my differentials. Um, but she has active Epstein-Barr virus, actively replicating Epstein-Barr virus, and then some other issues from a toxicity standpoint um, with glutathione depletion and just some other things. And she came in for anxiety, and she said, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever I need to do. Um, and I had somebody, you know, even recently with anxiety, she she said, I got all these books on the shelf, you know, and she said, I'll eat those books if you tell me to. <laughs> so no, you don't you don't need to eat those books. Um, but yeah, so that's what they came in for. And then it's like, okay, well, what have you tried? What have you done? What are the possibilities? Do we think it's this? Do we think it's that? Do we think it's, you know, food, gut, thyroid, hormones, brain, toxins? Like, again, going back to if you if this is your first ever episode that you've listened to, it, this might sound crazy, but if you've listened to all the previous episodes, you know how we're kind of piecing these puzzles together, looking at the drivers, looking at what could be causing at a root cause level some of these symptoms, and then which one of these mechanisms or how can we support them through diet, nutrition, lifestyle, strategies, etc. Um, so another few more, I've seen uh, a couple COVID long haulers with like some really crazy, crazy symptoms or like post-COVID um, stuff going on. So some is like brain fog. Um, some, I, I saw one that like, uh, many with brain fog, uh, I saw one that had, had what she would have called post COVID syndrome for about six weeks. Uh, but now she doesn't, now she's feeling better. Um, and we've got her on, you know, different strategies and things. She's been a, a patient of mine for a while. Um, saw one with anxiety, crazy anxiety, like, uh, affecting sleep. Um, that COVID kind of kicked that off. Uh, a few others with, with brain fog. Again, I think I mentioned that. Um, stool sample, a uh, couple stool samples. I, I don't do a ton of stool. It's not my favorite like lab, so that was different. Uh, not different. I mean, I usually do a couple, but uh, this is just one I have a note of. But in someone with Hashimoto's, um, and this is just kind of the next phase of her her journey. You know, she didn't come in with a bunch of digestive complaints, but we've worked together for uh, over a year. Is it two? I think it's over one year, maybe. Um, and yeah, we were for, through different reasons, through different uh, some histamine, different things, some different bloating things, some different stomach acid things. We ran a stool test, and it was really helpful. I think it was really helpful for to just for the next step of the journey. You know, sometimes if you're trying to get to it, this is how I describe this to patients too, so or clients rather, whatever. 
Um, if we're trying to get from where we are to where we're trying to go, let's say we're trying to get from Illinois to Denver. You know, I'll say that one a lot because I'll say we just got to hit the road and make sure we're not headed north or south or east. We got to go west. But let's say we're trying to get to where we're going, which is like optimal health, right? And you may never reach that destination, but every time you stop and fill up with gas, you got to be, you got to think, okay, where are we going next? What's the next leg? You know, if you break it up into legs or checkpoints or things, then it doesn't seem like the never ending journey. And health is a never ending journey. I mean, why should it ever have a final destination? So you just stop in and do checkpoints and say, okay, what should we do next? Where should we go next? Sometimes my patients, my clients, when I'm like, what do you want to do next? They're like, nothing. I feel great. I'm in remission. What should I do uh, maintenance wise? Um, Nothing, nothing, nothing. Sometimes they come in and it's like, I'll say maybe, hey, based on the season of your life, Maybe right now is not the time to push it. You know, even right now with summer, I didn't see as many kids in May because May is crazy for parents. There's graduations, there's sports, there's like uh, school transitioning to summer. So even like in my house, it's been a little crazy. So there's always a season for different things. Um, and yeah, just I don't know what started that rant, but um there's always the next leg of like, okay, what are we working on next? And there's times to be more intense and less intense. Last one I'll say, last story. Uh, I went through some great uh, autoimmune panels with my favorite patient, my mom. Um, my mom's mom, my grandma, just died. Uh, what is it? I mean, today's Memorial Day. So it, it was um, like two months ago, let's say, maybe three. Uh, I went skiing afterwards, so there's still snow, but it was the it was the end, and you know after like after all the ceremonies and stuff. Um, but anyway, Alzheimer's, and so we watched that, and you know she was pleasant, she was happy, but she, it, we watched that process, so that's always a concern. And my mom was bold enough and brave enough to run a bunch of neuro uh, a, a panel, so we ran an Alzheimer's links panel, and we ran Cyrex Array Seven, which is just a great neuro combo of is there autoimmunity against any part of your nervous system and there's not which was phenomenal i was so glad she was so glad we also now there were some positives and it was kind of interesting you know so there uh, she had reactivity against phthalates which phthalates are a toxin um most famous right now for uh, lowering sperm count and testosterone and you know kind of plays into the cultural context of gender fluidity and you know some of those conversations that that's like literally happening in a science world of like shortening of penises and lowering sperm counts and the feminization of males not just of humans um and the masculinization of females again not just of humans so phthalates are a toxin what these do what these toxins do is they bind to tissue and then when they bind to tissue that creates something new that the immune system has never seen and that can lead to autoimmunity. So she had a higher reactivity against phthalates and then reactivity against mercury, which is interesting because my dad was sitting there and my dad's a dentist. And I said, do you have any amalgams? And they said, I don't think so. We'll have to go in and kind of poke around and look and see. So this was uh, you know, recently, so I haven't heard an update on that. But interesting. Now, we also did a Cyrex uh, foods panel too. So there were some foods on there that – and of course that she had been eating – 
recently. So I mentioned this maybe in the last episode or the episode before, but uh, they had some really good questions of like, well, gosh, if I just eat other foods, am I just going to get sensitivities to those? And I said, yes, but you need to cut out the foods that you're are triggering inflammation right now, you need to increase your variety. After you cut these out, you can implement more of a rotation style diet. You can implement, you know, you just want high variety and don't eat the same foods all the time. Um, so, yeah, that was really good to go over those with her. Now, I just the the topic of the month was mast cells. So I'm sure I'm going to do a video on mast cells soon, or a, a podcast rather. I know I'm going to do a video. So uh, check my YouTube channel. Um, I will do a video on mast cells because I'm super into them right now. But then I also just wrote down like, because this is the autoimmune doc podcast, some of the known autoimmunities that I saw this month. And actually, let me say one more story. I saw somebody that had an RA flare. I think that it was in April, though. But I I texted her last week and messaged her and said, "How's your flare?" And she's because she got actually she messaged because she needed more supplements, and she said, "Might as well throw in two. And I said, "How's your RA flare?" And she said, "It's fine as long as I stay on this certain protocol." And we texted about it too because she's done. Uh, three levels of this protocol. One is being like none. She hasn't taken it and, and her flare will, will flare. And then she's taking half dosage because we've recommended, yeah, okay, let's try pulling back. And she, when she goes to half dosage, she'll start to feel it creep back up. And when she stays at the full dosage, she's out of her RA flare and able to do certain things. She texted me when she first got out of her flare and said, I said, she said, it's 80% better. You don't understand. I couldn't pull my phone charger out of the outlet last week. Um, so yeah, that's one more, but then some of these, uh, I just have names. I'm not going to read the names obviously, but I saw, sometimes I feel like I don't see a lot of Hashis, Hashimoto's, but I guess I really do. Um, uh, cause here's a, a lady with Hashis. Here's a lady with Hashis. Here's another lady with Hashis. Um, one of those knew she had it. Two of those, one knew she was hypothyroid, didn't know she had Hashis. One didn't know she had any idea. She has really, really, really high antibodies. And she's like, I feel fine. I, I have no fatigue. I wake up early. I, I bounce through the day. Like She's very happy with her weight, if anything, maybe underweight. Um, and so, yeah, so this is interesting. Another one with Hashi's that didn't know she had it. Um, another one with some neuro stuff, uh, neuro autoimmunity, meaning neuro antibodies, uh, neuro symptoms. Um, somebody with an ANA that didn't know they have it, somebody with an ANA that did that has a rheumatoid, like, you know, an RA-like uh, condition that's diagnosed, has a rheumatologist, has a uh, has been on, you know, a variety of different medications for it, but it's not RA and it's not lupus and it's not mixed connective tissue disease. It's just like, you know, something, a rheumatoid-like disease. Another guy that his is not diagnosed, but came in with connective tissue pain, has a positive ANA. Um, Hashimoto's, um, somebody with autoimmunity whose mom has autoimmunity, so that's common. Um, saw somebody that has a, a plethora of different autoimmunities. You know, she's a little bit older and has a, a, an extensive health history. And when we've done a Cyrex Array 5, just has, you know, a lot of hits on it. 
Then the last thing for the wrap-up of May was I did the Karazian Institute Neurodegeneration course. So Dr. Karazian is one of my mentors. Karazian Institute is one of the places where I get my continuing education. And I did the neurodegeneration course on Alzheimer's, different types of dementia, um, and really, 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 really cool. Love those courses. Uh, feel really, you know, confident in those areas. Felt like I knew a lot of the stuff, but it's really, really, really good to sit down for a focused, you know, 12 to 15 hours um, and and just go through that for a weekend. I had also had a, a surgical procedure that, that Friday, so I was uh, sitting anyway. I, uh, you know, had something to limit my uh, future offspring, let's say. Um And yeah, it was a great month. It's Memorial Day. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you just in a couple of days with our next episode that I think is all all about thyroid autoimmunity or something about thyroid autoimmunity. Um, Really looking forward to doing a couple on those because really common and something that I have, I haven't talked about it that much on the podcast, something that my dad has. Um, and yeah, just, uh, going to be a good, good couple episodes. So talk to you guys soon, rating, review, follow, subscribe, all the things. 